0: So wonderful to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today is a special day, for this is not our usual time. I'm glad you took a moment to stop in, for we have a bonus item that I would like you to take a look at. If you'll come over here and take a look on the bookshelf of Ancient Fables lost tomes and forgotten manuscripts you'll find an old edition of a classic horror tale this novel written in 1818 by english author mary shelley it tells the tale of a young scientist who would go on to become the prototype of the mad scientist in horror and science fiction this novel is none other than frankenstein Or the modern Prometheus, and is the inspiration for a new film on Shudder. So without further ado on this bonus episode of Oddsbodkin's Curiosity Shop, let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shudder original, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. So, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster was a movie that came out this past week, late this past week, on Shudder. Now, it did spend some time in the movie theaters. It was a very limited release. I know it didn't play anywhere where I live. Uh, It spent some time in the movie theaters. It also spent some time on Video On Demand. But it really was intended to be put on Shudder. I think it was such a good movie. I think they almost had to at least give it some semblance of a theatrical run and give it some time video on demand uh, because I, it's an excellent movie. I'm, I'm gonna be right up front with you. I really enjoyed this. Now is it a perfect movie? No, but uh, much like the other two movies uh, we've talked about this week, we talked on Monday about it lives inside. on Thursday's episode, we were talking about no one will save you and both of those movies like this, excellent movies. Not perfect movies, but still really solid and really good horror slash science fiction films, and I I was really impressed by this, so that's why I say right off the bat, I really enjoyed this movie. But here's the kicker. Uh, When I saw the trailer for it, when I saw all the, the press for this, I didn't realize one thing that it's very important if you're watching this movie that this is a modern take a loosely interpreted but a modern take on mary shelley's frankenstein it's the loose basis of the frankenstein story told in modern day told from uh, the black american perspective which i thought is a brilliant way to tackle the Frankenstein story, because if you take a look at Frankenstein's monster, uh, it, it deals with so many of their prejudices that come along with racism that is still prevalent to this day, sadly enough, in the United States and all over the world. Uh, I mean, America is not special in that. Uh, racism isn't uniquely... Uh, an American thing. It's it's all over the world. But sadly, it is still something that's going on. And I've always felt in reading Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, one of my favorite novels, one of my favorite classic horror novels, that the the Frankenstein monster and, and what it goes through is really indicative of, of what I'm sure a lot of people of color go through when dealing with racism in society. So I think it's just kind of a, a perfect marriage of taking this story and seeing it through the, the Black perspective and this story being a story that could really translate into the uh, the horrors of racism. Uh, so I, I think that is a, a wonderful idea for Bomani Story, who is the writer and director of this. And much like uh, Bashal Dutta from... It Lives Inside. This is a first time director, feature film director, I should say. I mean, I know he's he's done some other things. I know Bomani's story uh, started out writing short stories, started, you know, writing and directing short films, and this being his first feature film, much like Bashal Dutta from It Lives Inside, uh, he is, uh, Bomani's story is a director and a writer that I'm really looking forward to what he's got coming out in the future because uh, you know no matter what he does I think it's gonna be good but I'm really hoping he sticks with genre stuff. And we'll kind of talk about something I've heard he's got planned in the works uh, a little bit later on. But I liked what he did with this. Uh, I like the idea of this. Uh, did it work completely? Uh, we'll talk about that. But for the most part, like I said, I really did enjoy this. This had an excellent cast. You had uh, Lea DeLeon Hayes as Vicaria. And she really carries this movie and and she's an actress I'm not 100% familiar with. She looks very familiar. I know I've seen her in various things, just nothing that I've really sat down and watched shows and and films and whatnot. Uh, But she does a really good job with this character. And we'll we'll get into the details of the character. Uh, Denzel Whitaker as Kango, uh, a really excellent actor. Chad L. Coleman as Donald. He plays uh, Vicaria's father. I love this guy I have been a fan of his uh well I mean I, I can't say i've I've known him for a long time I know I've seen him in things before this but where I really became a fan of his was uh, he was the guy that played Tyrese on the Walking Dead and I was so disappointed when they killed off that character way too soon and I, I really liked uh how he how he played this character and I really wish they could have kept. Uh, the Tyrese character, a little more in line with the comics. Uh, I think this character had legs. I think Chad Coleman, as Tyrese, had the legs to really carry this this character a lot further into the story than what they did. So I think he got a raw deal there, but he's gone on to do tons of things since then. And it was really cool to see Chad Coleman show up in The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster and uh, many other Great actors. Uh, we'll talk a little more about that uh, coming up later in the characters. But if you like a good adaptation of a classic horror story told in the modern day, uh, I-, I think you'll like this. Uh, it is a monster movie. It is a mad scientist movie, and that's the one of the things. When I first heard all of the the hype about this movie it was the way they pitched it was that this is a modern take on the mad scientist uh trope in horror and and i guess i just didn't put two and two together with frankenstein at the time but i liked that idea you know the mad scientist is always such a great uh character in horror and in science fiction and then the fact that they they used the original mad scientist victor frankenstein as the basis for this uh just made it even more enjoyable and to see a lot of the different notes and different nods to the Mary Shelley story in this was was really cool and we'll kind of go into those a little bit later on as well but if you haven't watched the angry black girl and her monster i encourage you to go check it out it's uh, probably still video on demand if you don't have shutter but jesus shutter is not that expensive and if you love horror you really should have it because they do have a lot of good original content they have a lot of mediocre original content as well. But I think, you know, once you start getting into September, October, I think you see the quality picking up. And and this movie is uh, proof positive that the quality picks up around this time of year. And they've got a lot of great classic. I, you know, I don't mean to be a shill for Shudder, but it, it's worth it to be able to watch movies like this. So if you don't have Shudder, go check it out. Uh, If you don't have Shudder and don't want it, go check this out, Video On Demand. But we are going to get into some spoiler territory, and uh, I I really don't want to talk much more about it without really talking about it, really sinking my teeth and my claws into it. So if you haven't watched The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, go check it out, and then come back, listen to the podcast, and... See what you think about it. Uh, see if what I think jibes with what you think. If you have watched it or you don't care one way or the other, you're not even sure if you're going to watch it, but you're interested to hear what it's about anyway, and you'll make up your mind later because you don't care about spoilers. I'm that way. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, then we are going to get into some spoiler territory. But if you haven't watched it here on out, there are spoilers. So one of the things that it's similar but different uh, the angry black girl and her monster to Victor Frankenstein. And the Frankenstein story is that both Vicaria and Victor, and I like how they I like how they played off the Victor name without doing like Victoria. I mean that would have been obvious. And I like how they they use a name, a unique name that not a lot of people are used to, and they play off that in a in an early scene. We'll talk about that early scene and what I liked and what I didn't like about that. But uh, Bakari and Victor Frankenstein both have dealt with death very early in their life. Uh Victor Frankenstein's mother dies of scarlet fever while he's relatively young. In this movie, uh Vicaria, and that kind of is where they take the modern take on it her mother uh dies early uh in her life due to like an errant bullet from a drive-by shooting. And her mother was going to be a doctor. She was just a few years away from becoming a doctor. And and that potential just snuffed out like that in an act of senseless violence. Her brother got into the wrong crowd and died in a drug-related gang-style shooting. And so not only did she lose her mother, but she lost her brother as well and and in the frankenstein story i believe victor loses a young brother like late later in the story so so there's a lot of similarities but it's done in a a very modern way the way that people are killed are very modern to today's culture and to the the black inner city experience. But she's dealt with that. She's dealt with police brutality. She's dealt with the the drug abuse in her neighborhood and her father's own drug abuse. Uh, And after losing her mother and brother to these acts of violence, she vows to put a stop to death. She wants to cure death. And I don't know as if they use that terminology in the book Frankenstein, but that's essentially what he's doing. He's trying to come up with a way to bring people back to life, to cheat death, to play God. And that's very much what vikari is doing in this she wants to resurrect her brother now the one thing in the synopsis i found kind of funny uh it, it sometimes feels when people write synopsis for movies and, and i'm getting this off of wikipedia uh i'm gonna be upfront with you uh no telling more whoever put this on there got it from but it, it talks about how she resurrects her brother but soon finds out it's apparent she has brought back a monster who's hungry for vengeance, which isn't accurate. There's a lot more nuance to it than that. There's a lot more facets to it than that. And, and we'll get into that later. But as I'm reading the synopsis, that it just kind of dawns on me that that's, that's not really how it goes down. But yeah, her brother is snuffed out in, in his youth. And she steals the body before anyone can come and get it. Uh, she steals the body and begins stealing other bodies to piece together her brother and bring him back to life. Now, before we get any further into this, I should talk about this character and some of the other characters we'll, we'll discuss very quickly. But uh Leia Hayes as Vicaria. Vicaria is a, a smart girl. I mean, you could you could say, I don't know as if they say it in here, but obviously what she's doing and the things she's doing uh, mechanically and biologically and, and all that, she's a genius. And you find that out very early on because one of the first scenes we get with her and her teacher. Now, this is a scene that really, ah, it, it's hard to watch for me because when you're watching the beginning of this movie, you have the voiceover of Vicaria talking about uh, the death of her mother, the death of her brother, wanting to cure death. And and you feel so sorry for her, this girl that is living in this, this place that is so filled with violence, and she's had the, the price paid for that violence in, in blood of her mother and her brother. And it, it's so tragic and, and horrifying. And, you know, kind of one of those there, but for the grace of God, go I sort of situation. So you really feel sorry for her at the beginning. And then she goes into class and the teacher's trying to teach and she keeps interrupting the teacher. The teacher's trying to do this lesson and she thinks she knows more than the teacher. She probably does know more than the teacher, but she's very, she's like very, always, you know, constantly interrupting the teacher and not letting her teach. And then when the teacher gets pissed off, uh and wants her to go to detention wants her to leave the classroom she doesn't do it and i don't know if this from a directing standpoint from the writing standpoint is making the point that when you have two people acting like an asshole situations never turn out well and usually for the person that has the least quote-unquote power in the situation i don't know if that was intended that's how i took it because he was acting like a little jerk, and the teacher was acting like a jerk, and the teacher was uh, racially insensitive. I-, I don't know as if I would call the teacher racist. I think that word is, is thrown about flippantly. I think there's some people with some stereotypes and prejudices that aren't necessarily racist in their heart. They just need to be taught that, hey, you know what, that's not the way you should say things. That's not the way you should interpret things or, or look at things. That's that's not right. I don't think that the teacher is a racist. I just think the teacher is ignorant. And in that ignorance, she acts like a jerk. And when you have these two people uh, acting like jerks, the situation turns out the way it does. And and they could have left it at that. But then Vicaria's father comes to, to have a little parent-teacher uh, conference and... He is obviously only getting one side of it, and it just the whole way that scene played out made me. I didn't like the teacher. Don't get me wrong, but it also made me not like Vicaria very much. And you know that that could be uh, that could be a good thing. Uh, I think when you make characters multifaceted and give them more dimension than just she's the girl you should feel sad for then maybe that was the intention of that I, I don't know i don't know what i was supposed to take away from that scene or if there was any particular message that i was supposed to take away or if that was left to you know supposed to be left to my own discretion to to figure out what it meant to me i know that i i heard a quote from Bomani's story where that's kind of what he wanted he didn't really want to say anything in particular when this movie was all said and done he wanted to leave it up to you to interpret it and see it how you see it so you know i i think you could do that with this scene and i think if that's the case then that's a great way to start because it's the first scene that really gets you thinking about things and I don't know if i took away from it what i should have or or not but uh but that's what i took away from it 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 really felt to me like uh when both sides act like assholes shit goes bad but i think that's one of the things about this movie you get a lot of scenes like that where you get two sides of a coin and you're not expected to pick a side but you're supposed to to think about it I, i know there was one scene where Vicaria is talking to, I believe, Aisha, played by Riley Brooks Stith. I, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correct. But Vicaria goes to this quote-unquote white school, and Aisha's talking about how the only history she needs to know or any anyone needs to know uh, in the black community is right here, and she holds up a book about Malcolm X. It was a very interesting, and they start to argue about at the dinner table and Donald, uh, Chad Coleman. Uh, his character, Vikaria's father, kind of says that maybe the answer is that you're both a little right. So there are a lot of really good scenes like that 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 make you think and put both sides out on the table and let you decide what is right or what is wrong or what you feel about it. And And like Chad Coleman's character Donald said, maybe both sides are a little right. Maybe both sides are a little wrong. Which, I love movies that make you think like that. Now, that's I, I'm not going to say that's the last of the, the philosophical and sociological debates, but uh, we are going to talk about some of the horror. But uh, you've got uh, this character, Vicaria, uh, played by Leia De Leon Hayes, and, and she does a really good job with this. Like I said, she really carries this movie because she does, through this character, make you feel for her feel for the situation that she's in, you know, anyone who's lost anyone wants to to cheat death. They want to cure death so so no one has to go through that pain anymore. And she also really is Believable as this this young genius and uh, the the glasses really helped. I don't know what it is about glasses, and they got broken, so she's got the tape wrapped around the center, and she keeps pushing up these glasses. Uh, maybe it is the nineteen eighties, and every nerd in every movie, whether it be Arvid from Head of the Class, the TV show, whether it be the guys from Revenge of the Nerds, they all had you know Urkel, they all had big glasses that they would push up their nose every time they slid down and she kind of played you know into that that stereotype of the nerd and and did did a really good job with that you know every time she pushed up her glasses uh on her nose it just made me smile because it's just like that's that's what nerdy scientist types that's what they do you know at least according to growing up in the 80s but she does a good job with that she's very believable as this genius Uh, you know some of the theories and stuff she she spits out it felt like she felt those things and believed those things and when you get into the mad scientist portion of it there were a couple scenes where she's working and laughing and it felt a little and and i'm not saying it's any wrongdoing on her part but i think from a directing standpoint it it felt a little a little cheesy and and maybe that was on purpose you know this is about a mad scientist and you can't have a mad scientist without having some you know maniacal laughter as their concocting and and doing their experimentation so uh from a from a realistic standpoint it was kind of cheesy but from a movie trope standpoint that hey this is a mad scientist movie this is a horror film this is frankenstein it still kind of worked even though it was kind of like oh they did that really uh, I still enjoyed it and got a chuckle out of it. A couple of the other characters we're going to talk about real quick. Kango, played by Denzel Whitaker. Uh, another actor. I, I know I've seen him in various things. He's been in various TV shows and movies over the years. Nothing I've really watched a ton of. But I really enjoyed him. I enjoyed his character. His character was probably one of the more complicated characters. Because he is a drug dealer. He's a gangbanger. Running the drugs in this neighborhood. And... You really don't like him to begin with. He's the reason Vicaria's brother Chris is dead. And due to some circumstances, he's kind of conscripted Vicaria into his employ and making her do things that she doesn't want to do as far as uh you know cutting drugs and, and stuff like that. And you really hate this guy. You don't like him. He's the bad guy, he's the drug dealer, and drug dealers are bad guys. But then you have some some scenes later on where uh, Vicaria goes into his house and there's a vulnerable moment where he is in a bedroom with his, I don't know if it's supposed to be his mother or his grandmother, and she's she's obviously sick and he's taking care of her. And you start to understand that, well, maybe, you know, you can't justify him being a drug dealer and a gangbanger and doing the things he's doing, but maybe that's the only way he feels he can provide Or this sick relative of his. And you start to feel a little sympathy for him. And then he kind of has a little bit of a face turn. uh, At the end of the movie. And he and Vicaria are working together. To try and stop the the monster that she has created. And so yeah. I I really. I didn't think I was going to like this character. As much as I turned out liking him. Because like I said. at, At first he was all just one note. Bad guy drug dealer. But then once you got a little bit of understanding into who he is and why he does the things he does. Again, you can't justify it, but you can understand it. The other character I really liked was the Donald character of Vicaria's father, Chad Coleman. Uh, like I said, just because it's Chad Coleman. He's such a great actor. I really like him. But his was a, his was a tragic tale because, you know, he's lost his wife. He's lost his son. It's established that he was doing drugs, but got clean. But now that he's lost his wife and his son, he's, he's back doing drugs again that are being provided by Kango, the Denzel Whitaker character. And, He was a good father and he's, he's trying to provide, you know, he's working hard. He's working two jobs, working during the day, working during the night to provide for his daughter. And I I really wish we could have spent a little more time with the two of them. I wish we could have spent a little more time hearing his perspective on what he was going through as a father who's lost his wife and his his son and and trying to raise this teenage daughter i wish we could have spent a little more time there i don't know if that would have taken away from the horror but i would have liked to have have seen a little more of that you got a little bit of it uh that dinner scene with vicaria and donald and aisha and jada and their mom uh was a really touching scene and, and really a really fun scene to watch because you got to see little bits of the, the healing process uh, where they're talking about Chris and, and the thing he used to say about uh, cops being uh, racket busters. It, it, it was a fun little scene. I, I wish we could have got a little more of that to feel the impact of of the loss in these two families because chris was the father of aisha's uh, unborn baby which plays a part in the very end we'll talk about but i liked how you know they called vicaria the, the jada character uh is constantly calling vicaria the mad scientist and and it really plays into the fact that she is a mad scientist it's kind of a joke because she's so smart but Little does everyone know that she is collecting bodies, and and there's somebody they call the body snatcher because somebody is stealing bodies. Uh, I don't. They don't really go into detail as to where, but it is Vacaria stealing bodies uh, to find replacement parts and, and things to piece back her brother, and she, you know, uses electricity to to bring her brother back to life. Uh, much, you know, much like the stereotypical. Frankenstein movie does and when she brings the monster back to life her brother it's uh it it just I mean it's nothing you haven't seen before but it's just done so well in that that classic monster movie that classic Frankenstein movie style that it, it was just a fun scene to watch it's nothing I haven't seen before but I still enjoy it I still enjoyed it because it was a different take, you know, whether it's because it's a modern take, because it's a young black girl instead of a, a, an older white guy. I, I don't know what it was about it that made it different enough that I still enjoyed it, or just maybe that love of classic horror and seeing it recreated, seeing homage paid to that. I think probably made that what i really liked about that scene then the story differentiates a little bit Uh, she uh, talks chris into you know monster chris into going and stealing kangos drugs and and there's you know that kind of plays into her going into his employ because he knows that she uh, she did it but then you have some really gruesome scenes uh, maybe not scenes that you see completely but you see the aftermath when there's a cop attacked and the the head splattered on the ground you get uh, a couple attacks with Kango's men where where the creature is, is choking them and and I think that's kind of where they spent a little too much time with the the Kango and Vicaria characters you know they're back and forth uh with trying to get her to to cut drugs for him or or whatever he's trying to do. I think they spent a little too much time on that. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little more perspective on the creature because I think some of those aspects, like I said, where you have the comparison to the original story and like i said the the frankenstein's monster uh, creature and all it goes through mirrors so much like i said of what people of color go through with racism every day i think that would have been a little more interesting to explore explore the creature explore you know what it's going through as opposed to vicaria and Kango. Not that those weren't important characters, especially Vicaria. She is the lead in this. But I would have liked to have seen more of the creature and its experience, much like you see that in Frankenstein's monster in the book. But they did have a a lot of nods to the book. I I know the one thing I thought was cool, uh, Vicaria's notebook, where she's kind of keeping all of her notes and all of her, you know, diagrams of of creating different apparatus to to make this happen, uh, is called The Modern Prometheus, which is kind of the subtitle for Frankenstein. A lot of Modern publications just call it Frankenstein, but the original book was Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, which I thought was a nice nod to that. There was another aspect of the story that I found really cool, a a nice nod to what happens in the book, because in the book, Frankenstein sneaks into this little shack that is uh, adjacent to a house and kind of watches this family through a crack in the wall and learns to speak. Because of that, he finds a satchel of books and teaches himself how to read. In this, you have uh, these cracks in the wall of the little girl Jada, Jada and Aisha in her mother's uh, apartment. And she befriends the creature, Chris, because she sees him behind these walls through these cracks and, and talks to him and he talks to her. And she teaches him how to speak. And it's very much mirrors what happens in the Frankenstein book. Jada and Aisha's brother loses that Malcolm X book. And you have to imagine that the creature now has it and is teaching himself to read and that whole setup where he's he's in the apartment next door but he's looking through this crack and watching this family and learning uh, was definitely shades of frankenstein's monster in in the book and, and what it went through which I, I thought was really cool there again like i said I, I think it would have been a little more interesting to see some scenes from its perspective and uh, his perspective and what he's going through to make it empathize with the the creature a little more. Now, where things kind of turn because uh, this creature, Chris, he is not bad. He's not and much like Frankenstein's monster in in the book. He's not bad. He's just abandoned because Victor Frankenstein is afraid of him. And and by the time Victor Frankenstein comes back, he's gone uh, and he's off on his own. It kind of happens, maybe not similar, but in a roundabout way that happens. He's off on his own gets scared away. He gets stopped by a cop and he's trying to tell the cop his name and the cop says, "No, you're the monster that killed the other cop that we talked about earlier." And and that's what kind of flips the switch in Chris, the creature. At, to me, that felt a little a little too on the nose as far as a message. I like the message. I get the message. But uh, it, it felt a little too on the nose. And then from there on out, he's just kind of on a rampage. Now, granted, it's a lot of he's on a rampage because people are attacking him or people are afraid of him or threatened by him and they don't understand him. So it it makes him into the monster that he is told he is. I think I would have liked to have seen a little a little better development than that uh of how that transpired maybe a little more of a gradual development of that turn i think if you would have got a few more scenes like i said from the creature's perspective you could have built up to that but like i said i understand where bomani's story was going with this like i said i just wish it would have played out a little more gradually and not so abruptly but then you get some more gruesome kills when he has the fight with uh donald uh chad coleman's character uh, you, you don't really get to see the after you get to see the aftermath, but you don't get to see the actual fight so much the Jamal character, which I didn't really get to talk about him. He is Kango's right-hand man, uh, played by Keith Holliday, which I I thought he did a really good job in this as well. He kind of turns on Kango. He has a a big fight with the monster, and (laughs) when he slams that, uh, the creature turns that uh, machete into his mouth. That was pretty gross. Uh, That's the one thing I did like about this, is that they did dial into the gore a little bit, but not too much, because I know Uh, Bomani's story, we're talking about this. He wanted to lean into the gore, but he didn't want to lean into it too much. Because if you go too much into it, it becomes a completely different story. It becomes less about the message and more about the gore, I think. And he didn't want to go that far. But I I loved, he went went pretty far with the gore. uh, A lot farther than I think some directors would. And I think Bomani's story did a, a really good job with the gore because it was it was enough. I mean, you got some gnarly gruesome scenes, but it, it wasn't over over the top. It didn't take it too far, which which I really appreciated. And I wish the the ending, the climax. Uh maybe not so much the ending. The the denouement was was pretty good, but the the climax where vicaria finally has to put down the creature the monster that she created her brother chris uh i I just i felt that was a little rushed i wish it could have played out i wish the trap could have played out a little more interestingly to me it felt like that wasn't the the interesting part the the ending where well, well we'll get into that in a second i think that was the the part that they were really pushing to get towards and killing off chris was just uh well we'll call it it's the climax but we're not going to treat it as such because we want to get to this other thing that we're going to do and i really wish they could have made that whole trap sequence play out a little more interesting like i said than it really turned out to be not that it was bad i just i wish it could have been a little more engaging a little more intriguing but the real kind of kicker to this whole story is the fact that uh Vicaria and Jada, the little girl, played by uh, Amani Summer, who does such a wonderful job. She's another one I didn't really get to mention. But she had some great lines, some great one-liners, very funny moments, because kids can be funny. But she also had some creepy moments when she is talking and the voice of Chris is coming over. Just her delivery was so creepy. And she had some moments where she said, he's here. And it just reminded me so much of Heather O'Rourke as Carol Ann in the Poltergeist movie. Yeah, you know, Bumani story did... Uh, I, I feel like he drew from that in that line and, and in, in directing her delivery, which I, I think was brilliant. Uh, one of my favorite movies. And it was such a great line and added such a, a level of creepiness. But have yeah, Vicaria and Jada, and they find out that... Both of their families have all been killed by this creature, uh, Donald, Aisha. I think, I don't know if Aisha's mother, I can't remember if she was killed or not, but they're they're all dead, and Vicaria has the realization that these bodies are still fresh, so she takes Aisha, who is pregnant with Chris's child, and brings her back to life, and she seems normal. She's not a monster like Chris was. And she did finally get to cheat death, which I think, uh, to me, I don't know. I I was kind of hoping this would have been like Frankenstein and had a little more of a tragic ending to it. But the happy ending, I I mean, that's okay. What Bomani's story was going for, I, I think this needed to have a happy ending, even though I was really hoping for like the more nihilistic, tragic ending, much like Frankenstein. But the one thing I thought was really cool, that they do a little nod to at the end. And it all starts back when Vicaria is having the parent-teacher conference with Donald And the teacher says something to Donald about how, oh, your last name, it's so interesting. It sounds so European. Where are you from? And he just ignores her. And then before he leaves, he says, "Uh, my name sounds European because a German overlord branded my ancestor with their name. Yeah, it's very poignant. And it's like, whoa, it's like, you know, it's like, it's a drop the mic moment in that time. But you don't really think of it because they never say his last name. But then Aisha is pregnant with Chris's son. They make a point to say that she is not going to tell anyone the name until his son's born. But when she's brought back to life, she is worried about her baby being alive as well. And, and she she does yell out, or maybe not yell out, but she does exclaim, he's alive, he's alive. And very much in honor of all those Frankenstein movies from from back in the 30s, of course, uh, the original Frankenstein movie, at least the, the classic Universal Frankenstein movie. But in that, she inadvertently blurts out the baby's name being Victor because Chris wanted to name their son after Vicaria. So they're naming it Victor. So without saying it, you almost have to believe that Vicaria, uh, Donald, and, and now Chris's son, uh, that their last name is Frankenstein. And uh, I just love how they they imply that without saying it. And to me, it was such a wonderful twist. I was grinning from ear to ear when when I made that connection, when she says that Chris's son is going to be named Victor and Victor Frankenstein. Come on. But ultimately, this was a, a really good movie. And the the acting was top-notch. The directing was top-notch. The cinematography and the set design was really good. Just the way they filmed Vicaria's home and the red walls. It was just so vibrant and made me think of blood and, and all the blood and trauma that has gone on in their lives. I, I don't know if that's why they did that, but it, it was just very striking. Uh, the laboratory that Vicaria goes to and does her experience experiments and brings Chris back to life was just very interesting and just so much stuff going on there. Whether it was plausible that a teenager would be able to put all this together and get all this stuff and do, I I don't care. Suspension of disbelief, I loved it because it just seemed very, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to do experiments and become an inventor and and do things like that. I never had near what she did, but if I could have, Lord knows the Creatures I could have brought back to life. But uh, but I really loved the way the movie looked, the way the movie felt. It had a lot of ambiance and a lot of atmosphere. You know, as a, a horror movie, you expect a certain level of atmosphere. And this brought it because those scenes with Chris, while you never got any real jump scares, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure there were some in there. But for the most part, just the creature design was creepy and scary and the way the score played with the way the shots were filmed and the patience that Bomani story used in some of these shots it just had such an eerie feel about it and and some of those scenes the chase scene at the end where you uh, see Chris off in the distance and kind of silhouetted just were, were some scary shit and for as much as this delved into the realm of mad scientist and and sci-fi to a degree it was very much a horror film as well and combined it and much like it married the story of frankenstein with a modern day perspective uh, a modern day black american perspective i think this married the science fiction and the horror in in such a wonderful way and looked stunning and As I said, the acting was wonderful and the messages were really good because I think one of the main messages that you got in this was kind of encapsulated in this one scene. And I think there was some dialogue later where the cop is arresting the creature and calls the creature a monster. And by calling the creature a monster, he became the monster that this cop thought he was. And I think that is indicative of of anyone, but I think especially in the Black American community uh, where you have people that are stereotyped and prejudiced against and the racism that is involved, you, you have a lot of these characters like Kango where you say he's a bad guy because he deals drugs, then okay, he's gonna be the bad guy. People sometimes become what you accuse them of being. And if you know in this situation, you keep expecting young black men to be gang bangers and and drug dealers and all these horrible things. if you keep that expecting that out of them, then it doesn't happen all the time, but a lot of times you're gonna find. That, that some of these young men are going to, okay, this is what you expect of me. This is what you think I am. Maybe that is what I am. And I think that was a really deep and... Uh, you know, I hate to use the word again, but poignant message that we have to look at in society. I think if you, you expect more from people, you get more from people. You expect the least out of them, you're going to get the least out of them. You keep telling somebody you're bad. You keep telling somebody that you're no good. They're going to believe that sooner or later. And th- there's just a lot of levels to this that that you can apply to anybody, I think. But, but especially, uh, I'm, I'm sure this is something that is uh, very prevalent in the the black American community because of all the racism and prejudice and stereotypes and things like that. And I thought this movie really encapsulated that message and really brought it to the forefront. It, It didn't beat you over the head with it, but it put it out there. It didn't hide anything. And again, it's one of those movies that should make you think and should really start conversations. And to me, I think that is where horror and science fiction and genre is at its best. Not when it's preaching at you, but when it's creating conversations. Maybe it doesn't have all the answers, but it's starting the conversation so we can talk about things like this and and how to, how to fix it. And I think a wonderful job by writer, director, Bomani Story for putting this film out. And again, like I said, uh, this is a movie that... Uh, I absolutely loved, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Now, I, I do know uh, I watched an interview where he was talking about he's got a script he's working on. Uh, nothing's greenlit or anything like that, but he's working on a script. He described it as uh, "juice." The what was that, the 1992 film Omar Epps. Tupac Shakur, I believe Samuel L. Jackson's in it. Uh, laundry list of great actors in that. Uh, but Juice meets Lord of the Rings, which, that right there, uh, you combine those two movies, I don't know how you do it. I don't know you know what he means by that but I'm, I'm I'm already intrigued but he talked about it being like a dark fantasy and I love the fact that he's staying in genre I love the fact that he's not just doing another horror film he's going to go into fantasy and it really makes me excited for what this this young writer and director has on the horizon because you know his career is starting here it's only going to get better, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Because uh, just judging by this movie, again, not a perfect movie. It had some, it had some flaws, uh, but it was still a, a fantastic first outing as a writer and a director for Bomani's story. And I can't wait. Sky's the limit for this guy. Can't wait to see what he has in the future when it comes to great genre. And and I think he's. He's got a lot of stories in him that uh, I'm really excited to see. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts on The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. A a really wonderful film. Uh, If you love horror, if you love science fiction, it blends those two fantastically. If you love a good adaptation, this is a a really cool modern take on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which, as I said, one of my favorite classic horror novels. And I think you're going to like it. It's got a lot to like and you can catch it on shutter or you can catch it video on demand probably still out there video on demand but uh but check it out and see what you think if you haven't watched it uh check it out see if you agree with me if you have watched it hopefully you watched this and enjoyed it as much as i did i know he was asked if he was going to do a sequel i don't know if this movie needs a sequel i like it left where it is you know he kind of said that If the people want a sequel and if he's got a story, he would do one. But I really like this kind of left as it is. I don't know where you go from here or where you even need to go. Because I thought this was was really good just the way it was. But can't wait to see more from Bomani's story. And hopefully, as I said, you enjoyed this as much as I did. No matter where you listen to this podcast, please, like I said before... Like it, subscribe to it, follow it, do whatever you have to do to follow this podcast. That way, you can stay on top of all the new episodes and bonus episodes like this. You know, usually we do an episode, we release them on Mondays and Thursdays, but there was so much going on this week, I had to do an extra episode just to stay ahead in uh, the end of September and as we head into October. But like, follow, subscribe, whatever your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Spotify, whether it's uh, Google Podcast, Apple. Uh, Apple Podcast, iTunes, whatever they call it these days, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, or even you might even be watching a video, we have some of our select episodes show up on youtube uh please if you like what you're seeing on youtube check us out on podbean or like i said any of the other big podcast platforms for all the other episodes because we got a ton more content that you don't get to catch on youtube but please follow it so you can stay on top of all the latest episodes leave a review share the podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction and please check us out on our Social media pages, Facebook, and Instagram, for all that's going on with horror fantasy and science fiction. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. <laughs>